Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Great news on the vaccine front today, huh? Here in the state of Utah, it's estimated that uh, some 100,000 doses will be available to the high-risk frontline medical workers here in the near future. And hopefully that number can grow as uh, Moderna gets itself approved. And uh, I'm just very optimistic and eager for the future. Very, very eager uh, to get this pandemic here behind us. And I'm sure uh, that you hear me saying those words and say, uh, yeah, OK, Lee, just like the rest of us. Right. We all we all feel exactly the same way. We felt that way from day one. Well, amen. Just let me add my voice to the choir. Uh, another another thing, another element to this, of course, has been the impact on schools uh, we are today learning that in New York City, uh, because the transmission rate, or at least the, the percent positivity rate, has uh, jumped to above 3%, that uh, all uh, New York City schools will be uh, reverting back to online, or, uh, online only. I believe that kicks off tomorrow. Uh, here in Utah, for the most part, now there are certainly some exceptions, and there are a number of schools across the state right now engaged in some temporary distance learning. For the most part, uh, when the school year started uh, this this school year, uh, students were, were in the classroom or had, uh, for the most part, the option to go back into the classroom, with the exception of the Salt Lake City School District. You know, we've had this uh, debate play out here uh, for a number of weeks on this program and elsewhere. Uh, the, you know, the, the different interested parties who want it this way or that way, who have this feeling, or that feeling, there are the unions, there are the teachers, there are the students, there are the parents, there are the administrators, there are the board members. Everyone has uh, a perspective and a view on this, and it has made uh, action difficult. Uh, it has made uh, progress difficult on this front, uh, and it has led to much frustration. Um, well, about a week and a half ago, <clears throat> there was a plan uh, pitched by the superintendent of the Salt Lake City School District, Larry Madden. He uh, shared that plan with us here on these airwaves, and it was uh, essentially a a tiered return or a phased return to the classroom, the focus being on the youngest of children. And last night, well, let me back up. Last night there was a board meeting of of the school board members, and some time ago, about two weeks or so, there was another meeting where that plan was presented. The board said, hey, We're not going to take action on this immediately, uh, but I'll tell you what, next board meeting, which ended up taking place last night, uh, we'll have a look at it. Well, they had that look. They debated back and forth for hours. Uh, There were some some tempers that made themselves apparent. There were some accusations. There was some explanation. And ultimately, there was a vote. Now, what happened? Well, you've heard reported here on KSL News Radio that that vote went in favor of this phased return to the classroom for elementary students only. Starting January 25th, pre-K, kindergarten, and first grade are able to return to the classroom. Following that, on February 1st, second and third graders will be able to return. And lastly, on February 8th, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders will be able to return to Salt Lake City School District classrooms. That's the plan. That is the proposal put forth by Superintendent Madden, which was affirmatively, affirmatively voted on by the board. 
Okay. Very good. My my first questions are, uh, well, hold on. Things in this COVID era, era are shifting so quickly. Uh, do we know that when that day comes, January 25th, that we will be in a, a situation where we will, number one, be able to allow them back in the classroom? And, or, or, or number two, again, I'm just pointing out the extremes. Who knows what's going to come up between now and then? Or hopefully the vaccine will start showing its effects. Or what if by January 25th, uh, transmission is so low, all the numbers, the hospitalizations are down. Uh, people aren't reporting to the ICU for care at anywhere near the numbers they are today. Uh, transmission rates and whole numbers are all down, down, down. Uh, do, do we stick to this plan at that point? I don't know. Uh, let's hear from the superintendent himself. Uh, he was asked uh, what the reason was to present this plan after schools have been closed in the Salt Lake City District. This question asked this morning on D2. Here's the superintendent's answer. We got some new data from the health department, and that data was comparing uh, students in Salt Lake City School District that have been remote with students that have been in in in-person learning. And the indications from that data were that there was not a a statistically significant risk difference. And so that was the motivation behind the plan. I'm going to play for you some of the other comments made by the superintendent as he explains his proposal. We'll talk in just a moment about why waiting until January. But let me put out this plea to you. Get on the phone. Are you a parent of a student in the Salt Lake City School District? As you have become familiar with this plan, uh, how does it strike you? Is it enough? Is it too much? Is it exactly right? What do you think? Is this a wise way for the Salt Lake City School District to consider a return to the classroom? The number, as you well know, is 801-575-8255-801-575-8255 or KSL Talk. Answering the question of why wait till January, here's Superintendent Larry Madden. So for right now, I mean, I think uh, the board decision to wait is based on the fact that we are um, at the highest numbers that we've been since this uh, thing started. Uh, there are some logistics that we have to figure out in the meantime. I mean, we still we'll, we'll have a lot of folks that still uh, want to remain remote, which is which is great, and we've got to determine what those numbers are, and then um, we'll kind of reposition teachers so that we have some for the remote and some for the um, in person. This plan here, voted upon and passed by the Salt Lake City School Board, uh, deals with merely elementary-age school students. What about junior high and high school students? After the break, I'll share with you what the superintendent has to say and your calls live at 801-575-8255-801-KSL-TALK. See you after the break. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are discussing the plan which was presented to the Salt Lake City School Board by the superintendent, Larry Madden. It was presented a few weeks back. Last night, they spent a number of hours debating it. Uh, ultimately, that measure passed. And what will be the case for Salt Lake City School District right now is that on January 25th, uh, pre-K, kindergarten, and first grade will return to in-person instruction. And then on February 1st, grades 2 and 3 would return. And then uh, finally, at least within the terms of the proposal, on February 8th, grades 4, 5, and 6 would return to the classroom. Now, there is 
nothing in this proposal that addresses what happens to junior and high schools. I want to share with you what uh, what Mr. Madden, Superintendent Larry Madden, had to say about that. I also want to get to your calls. I see Kristen on the line. Looking forward to uh, chatting with Kristen. Also want to hear from you. Uh, the number for you to weigh in on this measure. What do you think? Does it work? Do you feel it to be uh, prudent? Is it too much? Is it too little? I, I want to hear your reaction. 801-575-8255. It's 801-KSL-TALK is the number. Get on the line. Let me hear. If you're bashful, if you're bashful, we've got text. Uh, we've got a text message machine here for you as well. That number, the Utah Community Credit Union text line, is 57500. Send a note there. But I'd love to hear your voice. Uh, before we get to the phones, though, I want to share with you uh, what Superintendent Madden had to say about what happens to junior and high schools. In terms of the secondary, the the initial data that we saw from the health department uh, was a was a different answer. It appears that there is a um, a lower risk for our students in remote, and so um, that's why we we looked at this as a phase in. I mean, we might be in like I think you said, it's like two and a half months away. We might be in a very different place in two and a half months. And we're going to just keep paying attention. Um, we know we'll have new information. It just keeps coming out, and um, that'll that'll guide the future discussions. So ultimately, the answer of what happens to junior and high schools is we're going to have to wait and see. That coming from again, Superintendent Larry Madness. He spoke just this morning with uh, D two Dave and Janovic on KSL News Radio. Now to the phones. Kristen from Salt Lake has some thoughts. Looking forward to a chat with Kristen. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. I'm grateful to you for calling in and listening, of course. Thank you for that. What do you? How do you react to this proposal now passed by the Salt Lake City School Board? You know, I get it. I get it that they need a plan because they have a lot of parents that want a plan. But when you're in the middle of this pandemic and things change from day to day and we're really not going on the right trajectory, it's hard to see that when it's still going to be, you know, this really cold season, that in February things are going to be like all hunky-dory. So I get it, that they probably need to propose a plan to fulfill all of those questions being fielded, you know. But I, I have three kids that are in Salt Lake City School District in elementary, and then I have an older daughter that is in Granite. And we chose with Granite just to keep her online because I wanted it as simple and streamline as possible from the beginning of the school year on to match what Salt Lake City had done because I thought, you know what, that's smart. Like, I didn't want to see my kids going in and out and in and out and going through exposures and quarantines and then going back in again and then going Zoom for two weeks. I just thought that's going to affect their education. And for me, education is number one. And I just felt that that was smart. So I was very thankful that Salt Lake City School District did that from the beginning, and they, they were kind of like the pioneers in that. So you do, you as do bring time up a, went on, yeah. I was going to say, you bring, up a, you bring up a good point there, which is when, when we were first, when the, the school districts around the state and the country really were debating what to do come fall, it was, it was a binary uh-huh. decision. It was essentially, do we send them back uh, or do we go uh, you know, to this remote thing? Uh, obviously, the hybrid model as well was one that was considered. Uh, but the considerations uh, were based on uh, like, uh, like physical health and the routine. Yeah. 
the routine of the child, I can see uh, maybe mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily as considered uh, as these other elements because of the fact that just what you point out, that some of these districts who early on opted to go back uh, have experienced numbers and cases and outbreaks that have caused a lot of this capricious kind of back and forth. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of new to this parenting thing. I'm only a year in or so. But routine and predictability yeah. is something that has found to be effective for my little one. And I'm sure it's the case for others. Oh, it's it's huge. It's huge. Children thrive off of routine. And even though it might be a, a very different routine, just getting into it and, you know, they say it takes what, like, is it eight weeks to start, like, a new a new habit? Yeah. Well, it takes at me about least four years, that, but I get it. Zoom, <laughs> I know. I know. It takes a lot longer for me. But, but, I mean, at least that to, to get the kids into what their school day is going to be like on Zoom, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that that routine has been majorly awesome for us as a family. And I'm a very hands-on parent. And I get it that there's a lot of kids that don't have that. And that's my point is that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, maybe there is this major group, not maybe, I know there's a major group of kids that are falling through the cracks and they do need to go into school to have that teacher role model in their life, like in person. Yeah. Um, I, some of my kids have friends that were great students and they're not even showing up to their Zooms and they're having problems. Mm. And maybe it's because they don't have the help and the structure at home. So I get that. So I I think that if we did phase in these kids, maybe they can do the highest, like, at-risk kids at the beginning. Yeah. Krista, i got to let you You go. I'm so grateful to you for your call and your comments and for listening and for being a mom to those six kids. Congratulations to you. Uh, One last call here before we go to break. Let's move to Farmington now and hear from Renee. Renee, how are you? I'm good, Lee. How are you? I'm well. Uh, Tell me, what do you think about all this? Like, I think, I think it's wrong. I think you got to let the kids back in. Like I told your producer, back in 2010, there was a documentary called Waiting for Superman, and it talked about the U.S. versus the other developed countries. Now, the U.S. students, the, the, the kids, I think it was from K through college, um, we ranked only number one in one subject against the other developed countries. Lee, that was confidence. Okay. Now, in a world, that it was confidence. Now, in a world right now that's going right or left or whatever, like I told your, your, your producer, I'm a man of faith. So for me, I have certain beliefs, so I, try, I don't try to get too political or anything or, or conspiracy, but here's the thing. <laughs> I was also incarcerated for three years. When you incarcerate somebody and you're down and they're set on a routine, which, which these lockdowns are, they're, con- they're, 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 you're being told when to go to sleep, when to eat, who to be around, who not to be around. This is incarceration. It is. And so when you're incarcerated... The success rate in Utah for a felon to come back is 20%. That means 8 out of 10 men go back within the first year of being incarcerated. Now, you're breaking down their confidence. You're breaking down these children's confidence. You are. In a world where, where, where you need to be around uh, your peers, where, 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 where people are, are asking to be accepted socially, racially, ethnically, uh, financially, um, when you break them down and you let them out and they don't go back and they're behind the rest of the class or the rest of the world, that's why they lose hope. Yeah. That's, uh, why the failure, that's why the failure rate in Utah is so high with convicted felons. Now, like I tell you, I'm not, I'm not getting political and I'm not trying to get off subject, but this is a pattern. Because if you're locked down for 14 days, 
something's going to happen. Yeah, Renee. Start- I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to you for the call. I'm just up against a hard break. Uh, listen, uh, Amy, check the notes. Is that our first convicted felon on the line? Uh, yeah, that was exciting. Uh, anyway, strong views by everyone involved, I'm sure. I'd love to hear from you still. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. We're going to take a break right now. And when we return, uh, producer Amy yesterday shared with me uh, some data that was just absolutely staggering. Uh, it, it has to do with travel, travel industry, and the money being spent on travel. I knew that it was low. I didn't know it was this low, and I didn't know the predictions were so far into the future as to when we might be able to recover. We'll speak with Larry Gelwicks, the CEO of Columbus Travel, next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.